Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And one of those skills we're talking about today, Tim, is a really important one called social awareness. Yep. Uh, oftentimes we're engaging with students who just seem like they miss something, right? They're yeah. not quite aware of what's going on uh, in the room. And there's a couple kinds of awareness. There's self-awareness, which is probably yep. the first one we need to yep. address. Yep. Uh, but there's also this social awareness thing. After I understand who I am, how do I understand where I fit in this yep. world that surrounds me? So it's two of the meta-competencies of emotional intelligence. Yes. Daniel Goldman broke it down years ago and yeah. talked about self-awareness and social awareness. But um, listeners, I want you to consider something. All of us need to grow in this area, Absolutely. even us as adults. Mm-hmm. But you think about it, as we're maturing, we need to learn these. This is the time, first 18 years, 22 years, we need to learn these skill sets. It's going to pay off in our careers it's definitely going to pay off in a marriage and a family if we indeed start one of our own when we get older. Yeah. So this is just necessity, essentials, if you will. And far too often we teach reading, writing, arithmetic, or whatever, and we never really cross this bridge, and, and people have lost jobs because they lack Absolutely. in this area, lost yeah, marriage partners, et cetera, just because these fundamentals aren't taught. Absolutely. Well, as we were getting started uh, or getting prepared for this conversation, we were both reminiscing because nobody starts off life with social awareness. In fact, regularly you'll hear stories of kids who say the darndest things because they just aren't aware of what's going on around them. And both of us remembered stories from when we were young. I lacked it so much. As a, nerd, as a young kid, like in elementary school, my mom and dad have story after story after story that was just hilarious as I just was blind to my own need for self-awareness. Yeah. So a couple of fun stories that are tellable now. Yes, yeah. Some are not. <laughs> yeah, but, we'll reserve the uh, other ones. So I was playing with my neighbor, Stephanie, on the back patio. I was probably, I don't know, six or seven years old. But Stephanie, we were, we were really good friends, and we were a boy and a girl. So she was wondering, hey... Maybe we got something here. And we were in elementary school. Yeah. And I said, Stephanie, we can't get married. I'm Republican and you're Catholic. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. <coughs> so first of all, I had no clue about any, either one of these. Yes, you know? yeah. How but do they relate reason, to one another? That's yes. right. Yeah, that's right. But that, that, that ended so it right there. Funny. I mean, I ended the relationship, you know, at, at seven what years old. What could have been, Tim? Yeah. So, <laughs> but another day, this would have been maybe a few years later. I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old. I'm with Steve, her brother, who was really a good friend of mine, and we rode, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio at the time, so we rode to the Kenwood Mall, and, and it was fairly new back then, uh-huh. and we, bro- we rode our bikes to the parking garage, and we were find- wanting to find a place to put our bikes down so we could go into the store. And I said, Steve, we can't take our bikes in here. He goes, why not? I said, it said Presbyterians only. <laughs> It said pedestrians only, and I wasn't a good reader, yes. and so and it completely yeah missed that. H- hilarious one. that you knew yeah. what a Presbyterian yeah, was, right. but and not and a I knew pedestrian. I wasn't one. I yeah. am not a Presbyterian. I'm so sorry. We can't get on this side. I don't know why they're keeping the Presbyterians. Yeah, off the I don't sidewalk, know what they've got against, but they are. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, but that, you've got one of your own. Don't I you? do. There's a famous story in my family. It was actually about my sister. So I've said some dumb things, but she said a really hilarious thing years ago. I believe she was either in kindergarten or first grade, but she was very early in school. And uh, back then, my father was working at a church, and so one Wednesday night, she's just finished school, she's at church, and she's with my mother and my father in his office at the church. 
And she promptly tells them, I learned the S word in school today. <laughs> and they were, you know, kind of yeah. wondering what's yeah, going on. Was... And they're like, what S word? You know, they're thinking it was stupid or something else. Yes. At very worst, you know, it's the SH word. And yeah. she's, you know, and so they prompt her and she's like, no, I can't say it. I'm not allowed to say it. And they're like, oh, you've got to, you can tell us. Yeah. And my mom looks at her and says, you will not get in trouble for t- telling us what word you learned because they want to know, you know. And so finally they coax her into saying it. And so she says this word. It doesn't start with an S. She says the F word. Oh, <laughs> right there in my dad's church office. And my mom goes, that doesn't start with an S. <laughs> And my sister says, you told me I wouldn't get in trouble. That's right. And it was, it's famous in our family because yeah. obviously girl couldn't spell quite yet. That's right. And didn't know exactly what word she had learned. But it's um, a perfect example, yeah. I think, of how kids are just not always aware right. of exactly where they fit. Maybe she would say the S was silent. Yes, that exactly. Word. Yeah. It was a four-letter word. I just forgot which one. Okay. Yeah. So we digress. These are yes. obviously hilarious situations. But the reality is, uh, I think it, to, perhaps today more than ever, uh, we've got uh, students who are older and older and older who are getting in situations where yeah. a lack or an underdeveloped sense of social awareness is getting them into trouble. No doubt about it. So the list we're about to give you, the, the, the steps we're about to offer you, is not only steps that you could take as an adult listener, but also one that you could prompt your students to begin to embrace as they grow in their own self-awareness and social awareness. Um, Andrew, I'm thinking about a case study. This happened not long ago, in fact, within the last few months, but I thought this is such a picture of the need for it. So let me just offer it up now. So um, this last fall, a group of high school freshmen sat in health class, Mm. and they were discussing personal hygiene, okay, which is already a little bit of a personal subject. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The subject was already personal, but it became awkward when Erica failed to show social awareness when Jacob, a classmate... Uh, was un- unable to hear a comment that was made in the class. Erica reprimanded him, saying, "What are you deaf? Pay attention." Mm. Well, Erica had no idea that Jacob was indeed hearing impaired. Yeah. So now it's really awkward. Yeah. Um, when other students gasped because they did know what was going on, she exclaimed, "What did I say? People need to pay attention." And it was then that their teachers stepped in to shed some light on the situation, leaving both Erica and Jacob embarrassed. Yeah, exactly. So nobody it affects right both now. people. Yeah. So I, I accept the fact that they're a little bit more aware. It's just really an awkward moment. And I'm saying to myself, is there where to teach this? And it doesn't have to be awkward. Yeah. We can just grow in this and be empathetic and maybe a little bit more sensitive. And that's, of course, what we're shooting for. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about how to build self uh, uh, social awareness, some practical steps that we can take. But before we get there, I just want to talk about how do we define this? If we're going to yeah. have a conversation with the students we're leading, how do we approach the subject? How do we bring it up? And how do we know when they've got it, right? Yeah. So if I were to uh, teach a class right now, and this subject were to be a subject, I would say, hey, this is an elephant in the room, and I'd probably have to explain what that meant too, but this is something we rarely talk about, but we need to talk about, kind of like an elephant standing in the corner of a room. Yeah. So social awareness, clearly defined, is the ability to comprehend and appropriately react to both broad problems of society and interpersonal struggles. Mm. So it's the awareness of what's going around you, big picture and right in front of you. Yeah, it's sort of macro and micro, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's really true, yeah. So being socially aware involves being able, excuse me, being aware of your environment around you, what's, what's all around you, as well as being able to accurately interpret 
the emotions of the people with whom you're interacting. Mm. So I'm sizing up the room, but I'm also realizing this is Susie or Sean in front of me, and I need to know what are they feeling and what would actually help me communicate the idea I want to communicate. Or maybe I need to listen to their idea. That's what social awareness is. I love that because it's often the thing that we don't even realize we're doing. People who are socially aware are at the same time reading the person in front of them and the situation, environment, room that they're in. And when you think about what our brains are actually doing in a social situation, it's quite impressive, yeah, right? It is. And we're so used to doing it if you're 45 years old, yeah. subconsciously, that you don't even realize that that was a skill you learned at yeah. a certain point, and you've just had so much practice that it's just become subconscious behavior. Yeah. But I think acknowledging what it is and real and coming to the realization that it is quite difficult to think about how much your brain is having to do in a social situation, uh, you realize how important it is that we build this skill. No doubt. So in Asian cultures, you and I both have been to Asia before, mm-hmm. they have their own term for this. Uh, they often call it, call it reading the air. Mm. You read the air. So I had a, um, an acquaintance of mine of speaking in, in, I believe it was in Japan, and after her presentation, she said, any questions? You know, like we do in America. Any questions? I expect you to just jump right in. We Americans jump right in, yeah. even when we don't have something to say. That's exactly right. Well, in, in Asian cultures, they're much more maybe proper yeah. and maybe not so apt to speak up like Americans are. So nobody said anything. So she went, okay, I'm done. I'll walk off the stage. Well, she got off stage and a local there said, I actually think there were some questions. She said, no, I just asked. And they, they said, watch. And they walked up. Now, this is a local and said, does someone have a question? And they waited for a long minute. And a minute mm, of silence is a long time. It is, yeah. But she said, yes, yes, three people. They didn't say a thing. She said, you look for the brightness of their eyes. So they know how, socially aware, to read, oh, the faces, the eyes. Mm -hmm. When you looked at me, very often a a, a person in an audience that doesn't want to speak, they don't look at you. I mean, we see this in our next-gen certification event. But when they want to say something, they're often looking at you. They may not blurt it out, and we need to be careful to read that. So I would say if you have an international group, don't talk to the Americans first. (laughs) Talk to everybody else first, because they probably got something great to say, but just won't let you know. You've got to read the, Absolutely. and be socially aware. It's an additional aspect to your social awareness to learn how different cultures do yeah, it. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. So haven't we all been in, in a conversation where someone says the absolute wrong thing at precisely the wrong time? Yes. We have, haven't we? You can probably think right now, listeners, of a moment you had like that. Everyone gets very quiet. Maybe somebody laughs nervously. You're likely to think to yourself, "Why would why would he say that now? Yeah, couldn't he couldn't he see what that that was the wrong time for it? So sometimes it's a timing issue. But the point is, this happens all the time, and we just gloss over it. I say, let's we need to start teaching this. Absolutely, we, and we need to start with our next gen kids in front of us. Absolutely. Okay? All right. So, Andrew, if you're okay, I would love to just share uh, maybe. Four ideas yeah. that I think are going to be at least initial steps to help uh, our listeners practice this in their own life and then help students. So- Absolutely, yeah. And if you follow these four things, we'll even give you a practical idea using one of our habitudes about how yeah. to do it. Um, I think that it really will help have kind of ignite the conversation, especially for students that you realize are lacking some social awareness. So if this is you and you said, Tim, I need to learn social awareness, okay? Step one would be, Say what you want to say internally to yourself first. Mm. We've all done this. Uh, in fact, sometimes we have imaginary conversations, you know, in our head, in front of a mirror, it's or whatever. The truth, yeah. But but if you'll take the time when you want to blurt something out and say, 
let me say that to myself, you go, oh my gosh, that would come across wrong. Yeah. Or that would be heard or understood wrong. Yes. So think about think before you react is really what I'm saying. Our amygdalas, that small membrane inside of our brain at the base of our brain, are at work when we feel threatened or confused. Uh, and they kick into fight or flight mode. We talk about this all the time without a conscious thought. And that's how we, uh, That's by, by the way, that's how we dodge a baseball when it's coming at us. Our amygdala yeah. kicks in. So not a lot of rational thought. It's just And you a wouldn't reaction. want a lot of rational thought in a situation like that. That's right. Like you that. don't have time for that. I should move away from that yeah. baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, the amygdala is in our lower brain and functions with gut feelings, not critical thinking. To engage our frontal lobes, okay, in front of our, uh, the front of our brain, it's best to speak to ourselves silently and imagine what our words will do to our listeners. And this is why this is so crucial is because we've talked about this many times, and I know we probably don't have to explain this to teachers and parents, but uh, frontal lobes are underdeveloped yeah. until um, you know early 20s, sometimes yeah. all the way into mid-20s. Yes. And so what we're acknowledging when we have this conversation with a 16-year-old, for instance, is their frontal lobe may not engage quite as quickly yeah. as maybe yours would as an adult. So what you're doing is you're actually teaching them to make space for their frontal lobe yeah. to engage and yes. think a little bit about what's going on. So this is why this is so crucial is because I think uh, if you are one of those adults with a fully formed brain, then you might not understand why did they make such a poor decision? Why did they say that thing they shouldn't have said? Well, often it's, it's truly just their brain is still yeah. developing. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're making space uh, in the conversation for uh, for that underdeveloped brain to kick in. So the the uh, habitude that really illustrates this well to practice is the talking stick. Yeah. So this is a Native American custom from at least a couple of hundred years ago. A number of tribes in North America would use a talking stick whenever conflict arose. Yes. It, within a tribe or with other tribes. Bottom line, many of you know this already, uh, both parties, the you know conf conflicted parties would sit down together and there would be a stick, often a very decorated stick that yeah. they knew what it was. Mm -hmm. It was called the talking stick. Only the person holding the stick could speak. Mm. You couldn't speak if you didn't have a stick in your hand. In fact, the only time you'd give it away while you were speaking is so if the other party needed to clarify what they were hearing, and then they'd give it right back and you'd finish. You, sp you, you held it until you finished what you had to say, and you felt like, I've been heard. Yes. Only then would you pass it on to the other party, who would then get to, you know, kind of volley back or counter and say, this is what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the point of the story is so many battles, conflicts, and wars were actually averted, we understand from history, yeah. because of this simple talking stick. Now, you don't have to have a literal stick in your hand, but in an imaginary sort of way, what if you held that stick and, or more importantly, I'm sorry, give it to someone in yes. your imagination and say, I'm going to speak as if I'm convinced I'm right, but I'm going to listen as if I'm convinced I'm wrong. I love that. And uh, that's just something we're learning here, is Absolutely, it not? yeah. Yeah, and it's an, obviously an important skill for us all to learn, but that posture, what it is, invites you is to have a posture of uh, listening before speaking yeah. or yeah. seeking to understand before uh, seeking to be heard. And that's such a crucial skill. And this is a really great metaphor for them to begin to understand how it works, yeah. right? Yeah. Every conversation is an exchange where you give the person the opportunity to say everything that's on their heart and mind yeah. and get it all out. And if you can learn to do that well, this is probably not going to be a problem for you where you say the wrong thing because you've done such a good job of listening that how could you say the wrong thing after after listening yeah. so well? Yeah. So. So this leads us to, to uh, action step number two, count before you say it aloud. 
So first we're saying, say it to yourself, yep. and maybe you can count while you're saying it to yourself, but yeah. this again buys you some time for the amygdala to calm down, the, the, the frontal lobe to kick in and say, ah, that would not be what I really want to say at this point if I want to reach this goal. So once you silently think about what you're going to say in your head, it's best to count to five. Some have said count to 10. Yeah. My mom would say, Tim, you got to count to you know, 35, 40 or yeah. something like that. We've really lowered that number. Yeah, yes, we have, yeah, because we're not patient. Mm-hmm. So this act allows you to reflect more deeply about what you're going to say and foresee your responses impact on others. Mm. Yeah. It prevents reacting out of impulse, also gives you time to empathize with the person to whom you're speaking. Uh, this is something even adults, like we just said, have to do this to, to model for the kids. Incivility and impulsivity... Let me say that again. Incivility and impulsivity reign on social media and in our nation's capital. <laughs> a wise proverb said, when you feel emotions mounting is the moment you start counting. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So it, It's no surprise to me that in the world that we have today, uh, the term mindfulness is becoming more and more popular. Yeah, yeah. Meditation, even meditation apps where you meditate for five yeah. minutes come in. And I think all of those are a response to this reality of if we just had just a little bit more margin, even five seconds in our day, we would probably make better decisions. Yeah. We would probably have better relationships. Yeah. We would probably engage better with other people. And I think this totally fits into that category. I think you do this so well. I've watched you now for years do this. I don't know if you're counting or just thinking. But you're always mindful of what this is going to do to your listener, and how do I make the point? I, I just—it's just a learned skill, and I'm yeah. sure you would say I even had to learn it over. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I could have told many stories at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast about <laughs> dumb failure. things I have yeah. said over the yeah. years. So yeah, it is certainly a learned trait, and and one that deserves focus if yeah. it's going to happen well. Yeah. So the habitude for this one, Andrew, is one of our habitudes for social emotional learning. Yes. Called stethoscopes and treatments. I love this one. In short. Uh, when you walk into the room in which you'll be treated yeah. as a patient, yeah. and the doctor comes in, he or she does not just hand you a bottle of medicine. Yeah, they don't go, "Hey, just take Advil for that." That's right. Or this is about a penicillin. Yeah, it's helped millions worldwide. You should try it too. Yeah. The reason they don't do that is because we all understand they're to take ten minutes to listen to your heart. Let me see your eyes. Let me see your mouth. Let me see your ears. And after they've done all that probing and diagnosing, then they offer a prescription. Yeah. Same thing we're talking about here. It's like they're counting before they... Yeah. So diagnosis needs to always precede prescription. Yes. And this is just true in conversation and interpersonal relationships as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Have you asked enough questions yeah. before you're ready to offer your advice? And I, I see a lot of young people who ha- are fully ready to give their friends advice, yeah. and it's like, have you really taken the time to learn and find out what the yeah. real problem is first? Yep. So the third one is seek to understand before being understood. This is an age-old phrase. I think I first read it in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but just a brilliant one. We all want to be understood, no doubt about it, but it's an intentional leadership act and one that needs to be taught if you seek to understand before that inward... Requires discipline, yeah. It really does. My gosh. So this is counterintuitive. Uh, Human nature tends to guard, excuse, and defend one's behavior or words. We all do it. Uh, And when we attempt to understand more fully why a person might have said what they did, we position ourselves to show respect and even honor Mm -hmm. to them. So unfortunately, um, as I said before, this is just rare. 
Um, I've often felt that the most exercise people tend to get these days is jumping to conclusions and running <laughs> off at the mouth. Do you like that? Yes, I okay. do. Okay. All right. That's yeah. an Elmoreism. Yeah. All right. So the habitude for this one, Andrew, is salutes, salutes and snubs. So if you've ever been in the military or know someone in the military, you know that every cadet in training in the Army or whatever, uh, every, every soldier in boot camp that's a potential you know, Marine officer, um, yeah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. is going to salute those of higher rank. Absolutely. So they salute. The opposite of a salute, if you think about it, is a snub. Yeah. We've all been, um, you know, phone snubbed, you know, where people are not paying attention because they're looking at their phone, not paying attention to yep. what's in happens the room. happens every time I'm on an elevator. Yeah. That, that is so true, yeah. So we're just saying social awareness is when you treat everyone really as if they were an officer. Yeah, with respect. Yeah, a friend, a, a colleague, whatever. I'm going to treat you as if you were someone I ought to be saluting. Now, I don't do this all the time. I know when I do, I'm a better person. Yeah. So what if you taught salutes and snubs, uh, listeners, to that group of people, young people that you're probably teaching? And instead of snubbing, um, we use the, we've even heard the term fubbing. Have you yes. phone snubbing? Yeah, snubbing with a phone. Yep. It's 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 saluting, yeah. and we're showing honor to the other person. And if nothing else, you don't have to have a phrase. Just think about that in your mind, yeah. and it's going to make you interact better. Yeah. What action or what word could I use to say I see you, I respect you, I yeah. hear you? That's exactly what we're going for yep. here. That's exactly right. So the last idea, number four, is learn to size up the room ahead of time. Mm. I alluded to this earlier, sizing up the room. This is the ultimate act of a socially aware person. Yeah. It's not just the person in front of me. It's, oh, they might be behaving because of what's going on around them right yep. now. Yeah. So the quickest way to practice social awareness is to enter a room and evaluate who's in it. Yep. Um, is it a diverse group of people? Uh, what might they be feeling right now? That's a good question. Uh, do you know anyone who's just experienced a setback? Might that affect their emotions? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this big picture thinking empowers you to respond more intelligently when comments are made by others. At least in that moment, you become aware of the circumstances around you. Absolutely. This reminds me of every event you and I ever do, right? Yeah. When we head, head into a new college campus or you know a new school or whatever it is, one of the questions we'll often ask is, What's been going on lately, you know? Yeah. Or why is it you wanted us to come here today? And what you'll find is after about three or four minutes, they'll start to get to the, yeah. well, our parents are doing this yeah. or our, you know, and what you realize is, oh, this room has context to it. Yeah. And I can actually, I will uh, succeed or fail based on how well I address yeah. who's in the room, yeah. right? So and the true. struggles they're going through and the situation that they're in. If I miss what's the, what's going on in the room, I often will sound irrelevant. Event, yes, or like I don't, I'm not speaking truth or whatever it is, and it's merely because I just didn't take time to learn mm-hmm. what's going on. Not long ago, this maybe was a year or two ago, I remember being informed before I spoke in an event that at this particular school campus, there had been two students who had completed suicide. Mm. Well, and they were just saying, I just want you to know, I don't know if that you know makes you say something different. I just want you to know. Well, it certainly did in Of inform. course it did, yeah. And also it, it it explained the quietness of the crowd. They weren't yeah. just, ha, ah, this is great. Yeah, you know? kids today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was much more. Well, it helped me. It helped me in every way. It was a socially aware person helping this new guy, new kid on the block that was yeah. in town for the day uh, just do better. Mm. So the habitude for this one is one of our favorites. Yeah. It's cathedral building. It's built off that age-old story of uh, the man who saw a construction site going up and thought, I want to find out what it is. 
So he walks up to one of the construction workers, taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, what are you doing here? Well, the guy didn't look up from his wheelbarrow. He simply grunted, I'm drawing a paycheck. Or, or no, I think it was, I'm laying bricks. Yeah. Even more tactical or yeah. logistical. Well, that was what he was doing, but that wasn't the answer to the question. Yeah. So he asked the second guy, hey, tell me what you're doing. And again, this guy's looking for a big picture, but he got from this guy, I'm drawing, I'm drawing a, pay, a paycheck. Yeah. I, on Friday, I get paid. Well, that was true too. But only the third guy, when he was asked the same question, said, with a smile, I'm building a cathedral. Mm. Now, the point of the story is all three guys were telling the truth, but only one guy saw the big picture. The other two saw the logistical and the tactical, but not the bigger picture. Uh, this is sizing up the situation. Mm. Can you see the cathedral, not just the bricks and the mortar and the boards that are being used? That, that doesn't help a lot. Absolutely. It's, it's like the seven blind men that were all feeling the elephant. It said, it feels like a trunk, feels like a snake. Well, no, you're touching, uh, not, not, not a, uh, yeah, tree trunk. Yeah. Well, it was a trunk, all right, but it was an elephant trunk. Yeah. It's just seeing the bigger picture and realizing, ah, oh, there's so much more to this complicated scenario than I see. Absolutely. And that's really what we're inviting our kids to do, right? Social awareness is seeing the big picture both in the in the conversation that you're having with that one person in front of you. It's the big picture in the room. It's the big picture worldwide because social awareness is, is as much about what's going yes. on in the world and my place in it as it is yeah. about what's going on in the room and my place in it. And when they can have that cathedral building perspective yeah. about all of the social engagements in their life, it's just going to make them better. It is, no doubt. So bottom line, uh, this is about three skill sets that fall under the umbrella of social awareness. Number one is social sensitivity, so displaying empathy for others and the ability to, to infer what's going on, mm -hmm. okay? Number two, social insight, so we're able to um, make moral judgments and the ability to comprehend situations mm -hmm. and realize I'm interpreting... Yes. I heard what you said, There's but There's complexity there here, yes. I'm reading the air, yes. if you will, yeah. yeah. And then number three, social communication, mm. the ability to interact appropriately with others, including problem-solving interactions where you yeah. got to resolve conflict by meeting in the middle. Yeah. The way you would ask, act with your boss is not the way you would act with your brother, right? Yeah. And understanding the nuance in those two relationships is what that's all about. Yeah. So there's a story, Andrew, that comes to my mind, a, a, a story I not only heard years ago, I got to interview this young person. Yeah. Uh, his name is Trevor Farrell. He's now a grown adult. But um, when he was 12 years old and living in Philadelphia, mm. he was doing his homework on the living room carpet in front of the TV. This is how we do homework. Indeed. But a news story came on that um, stopped him in his tracks. In fact, he put his pen down and, and just looked up. It was a news story about the homeless population in the city of Philadelphia. Mm. Well, Trevor was stunned because he, at 12, in sixth grade, he'd never thought somebody would be without a house. Yeah, it who, seems who, strange. A yeah. house is what we all need. And yeah. so at dinner that night, he talked to his mom and dad and said, Mom and Dad, did you know there's people that don't have any houses? You know, they're living outside. Yeah, Trevor, it's really awful. We should we should probably, you know, do something. Maybe we need to give some money or pray about it or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he, he wasn't satisfied with those. So dinner's over. He's still yapping about it. He goes, we need to do something about this. And so he talked his mom and dad, the adults, mind you, into 
putting some food packages together and a blanket, finding a blanket that they would give away, and taking the family minivan downtown until they found an individual that was on the sidewalk, clearly without a house, a homeless man. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't take long, and they found one. And remember, Philadelphia gets cold in the winter. Yeah. I mean, that's an understatement. Yeah. So he said, there's one. And so dad stopped the car. Mom and dad are very you know, congenial. And Trevor runs the blanket and food package up to this man and just talks to him for a little bit, very mature for 12 years old. And mom and dad thought, isn't that nice? Well, thank God this will get it out of his system once he does this. Well, it didn't. It It only whet his appetite. He got back and said, they're everywhere. We've got to set something up. To make a long story short, Trevor's place was started by a 12-year-old boy years ago. But 300 adult volunteers feeding hundreds of homeless people all started by a sixth grader who was socially aware and said, I'm not just going to watch a show about this and give a dollar. I'm going to give myself to this. And of course, it's been turned over now that he's adult to other people. But what a great socially aware kid. And may his tribe increase in our world today. Man, and I I just I go back to cathedral building. That kid had a cathedral. He knew where he wanted to go. If our kids had that kind of... Uh, social awareness. They were so aware of the world around them, the needs that were um, people were experiencing, that and their awareness allowed them to go. Here's what needs to happen next. I think we'd see kids everywhere solving problems and serving people and changing the world. Well, um, I uh, one of the things that we've talked about today, social awareness, which is obviously a, a huge important competency, is actually a core competency of social and emotional learning, a term I know everybody is familiar with. Uh, we have a great program. It's not the only program, but we we tend to be partial to it. It's called Habitudes. Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning uh, is a, a, a curriculum that we have that teaches social and emotional skills. It comes in a, a number of courses. And if you want to find out more about it, you can go to growingleaders.com slash S-E-L, growingleaders.com slash S-E-L, and you'll be actually, actually be able to try it out for free and figure out if it might work to develop this all-important skill of social awareness inside of your students. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. You can also quite literally get the word out by passing this podcast to somebody that you uh, feel like may find it beneficial. So if you're thinking of somebody right now, go ahead and send it to them. I think they'd find it helpful, hopefully. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, we uh, if you've got ideas for this podcast, things you want us to talk about, um, conversations you want us to have, or even people you want us to interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you so much for leading us in this conversation today. Thank you guys for building social awareness in the next generation, and we'll see you next time.